0: Christchurch, it was a long drive from Charleston, South Carolina back to New York, but the good thing about the drive is that we found on Soul Town, Sirius XM, the Aretha Franklin Tribute Channel. Amen. I don't care what genre it is, she did it all. And it was a troublesome and difficult week for many of my colleagues and myself, I have to confess. We began the week with the death of the first African-American woman to receive her doctorate in philosophy from Union Theological Seminary, my alma mater, the Reverend Dr. Katie Geneva Cannon. She was also the first African-American woman ordained in the Presbyterian Church USA. So she was one of my sheroes and a heavy hitter. She also grew up in the Carolinas. She was from North Carolina. So Katie Cannon hit the theological world, at least among black and womanist theologians, pretty hard. And then a great preacher, Pastor par excellence, the Reverend Dr. Joan Parrott died a great preacher who we felt should have been called to be a pastor of a church years ago. When I first heard her, I was an intern minister uptown at Abyssinia, and I was a seminary student. And she was just installed as pastor of a church in Hampton, Virginia, earlier this year, February or March. Her uh, funeral will be tomorrow. And then, of course, to end the week, With everybody's Aunt Riri, it just was a bit much. And so I don't know if it, for you, hit you in ways in which I know people in my circle it hit. But anything from walk on by to muddy water, or Spanish Harlem, or call me the moment you get there. Or, or, Or maybe for you, it was bridge over troubled water. Free way of love, jump to it. I don't know, or maybe even crossing over to the gospel realm, God bless the child that's got his or her own, or maybe Mary, don't you weep. The Lord will make a way somehow. One of my personal favorites. Or even that great tune that she offered at the funeral service for the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Precious Lord, Take My Hand. So leaving from the pioneers of theology all the way to Precious Lord and Aretha Franklin, you know, soul sister number one, then the queen of soul, we get Kofi Anna, someone for whom I met serving uptown. And again, having had the encouraging time to be in his presence and to feel his warmth, I don't know, it was, You know, Riri's song from the uplift for women's rights, civil rights, encouraging uh, black people, encouraging feminists and womanists along the way, and certainly encouraging freedom fighters, and then all the way to Kofi Annan, another justice for peace. It was a week to the point where one of my colleagues in our circle said, sisters, I just need one week when no one dies. No one dies. I I don't know if you've had that kind of week, but the drive was good because we listened to her tunes on the whole ride. And we took a break once or twice, but we were wrapped up, engulfed in the sounds of our mothers and our homes and sounds in cleaning on Saturday mornings in the kitchen. Did y'all have that kind of music? Cleaning music, right? Cooking music. Riri was a soundtrack growing up for so many people. And we heard people calling in from around the world. It was a beautiful thing to find that on Sirius XM was an entire tribute channel to yet another Shiro gone. I just don't know what to say, but here, in the midst of all of this loss, in the midst of death again, that is a part of the inevitable cycle of life, we have Solomon's prayer. We have the visitation of God to Solomon in his dream. Lest you forget all that is in his past, all of the things that surround the family dynamics. I'm not asking you today to look at it from a family systems perspective because if you did that, we'd be mired here for quite some time considering the fact that Solomon was the son of David and Bathsheba. You remember when it was Uriah the Hittite who was her husband, that David plotted and schemed to put him on the front line that he might be attacked so that he could have her to himself. Y'all, some of y'all remember that story, right? But we won't get mired there because we, we, we want to move along, but I, I must say that as we move along, we have to know that yes, Solomon was David's son, but again, Solomon was not David's eldest son. Mm. That's right. Have mercy, Lord. The challenge there is Solomon was not the eldest son, and so here he was being named as the new king, but there was one who had come before him. Yes, one who was not the son of Bathsheba and David, but one who had already celebrated and got the party started. Hmm. It's something when your party gets pushed aside. But here, if I think about all these great sheroes and all of those people whom I've named and those of us here, all beneficiaries of God's Wisdom, all beneficiaries of of the wisdom of God. I'm thankful that there's something in Solomon's prayer in our text this morning that tells us about the wisdom of God. Wisdom, as Christians living today, our worldview has been shaped more by the world in which we live than by the Christian church and her teachings. Church, for those of us in the modern world to have faith and belief in the things of heaven is a sign of intellectual failure, is it not? Truth is proven in science, knowledge is certain, and faith hmm, is left for the unwise. To be a person of faith and belief is to be unwise, or so it was the thinking. Those who possess true wisdom, our teachings tell us today, are the ones that receive revelation. As we find, yes, in Proverbs 3 and 7, which tells us, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and shun evil. Yes, a primary theme, church, today, found throughout the lections, are found in every reading a nugget around wisdom. While we often read this text from 1 Kings with good feelings about Solomon's connection with God, there is more to it than that. Remember, again, that he was Bathsheba and David's son. Remember all of the things about the plot, but also you must remember that according to tradition, the eldest son was the rightful heir to the inheritance. In this case, that would not be Solomon, but Adonijah. Why does any of this matter? That's a great question you ask. It matters because this shows the dynamics of the family, and speaks to the struggles the brothers have with one another and their other siblings. It also calls into question Solomon's role as David's preferred successor to the throne. Not only does this become a divisive issue amongst the brothers, it speaks to the newly established role of Bathsheba as, yes, the queen mother, David, who is approximately 70 years old, is unable to continue as the king. He names Solomon on his deathbed, but this comes only after Adonijah, the eldest son, proclaims his new identity as heir to the throne. At the point of our text, in a dream, Solomon asks for wisdom. This childlike prayer, which Solomon utters in his dream, comes after his father David lays out for him what seems to be a road map for success. Yes, like so many in the Old Testament, David makes clear the assumption that prosperity is the reward for obedience to God. Yeah, we know obedience is better than sacrifice, but this teaching, David tells his son to keep the statutes as written in the law of Moses. The incentive is that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you turn. Yes, to this one, to this one must ask, how can the biblical promises of prosperity and reward be reconciled with the basic Christian principles of unselfishness and sacrifice. Hmm. Yes. Archbishop Desmond Tutu says this in his book, God Has a Dream. You can spend a lot of time on techniques trying to know God, but the real point of it is to know God. Amen, somebody. Did y'all get that? says, you can spend a lot of time on techniques trying to know about God, but the real point of it is to know God. How many of us are praying to know God, the will of God, the mind of God, the heart of God? Yes, the desire to succeed must be made to include more than self. That's what this whole lesson is about. More than lifelong wealth, more than uh, wealth, more than vengeance for our enemies, God wants us to petition the throne of grace for understanding. Understanding. We would all do well to remember the prayer found in the 90th Psalm, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Yes, yes that we may know that there is a limited number to our days. That's what the deaths of all the sheroes reminded me this week. That's what the death of Kofi Annan reminded me this week. Yes, Katie Geneva Cannon loomed larger than life to me. And as one reared from the south, she would always be so warm and approachable and she didn't lose that about her. In her presence she would welcome you just as if you walked into her home in the south and then she would stand at the pulpit and proclaim the word of God or stand in the classroom and lecture and she would speak in such a way that you'd think you were looking at a giant. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. We need God's wisdom for the number of our days because we don't know when our time will come to close our eyes. And so when we go to God in prayer, remember that God honors our prayers for understanding because it is the beginning of knowledge. Yes, the beginning of knowledge. We we want to pray when we pray to the Lord. We want to remember that Jesus even rejected the success patterns for his time. Riding in on a donkey didn't look like a successful prince of peace. Amen, somebody. Riding in and saying that all power had been given unto you under heaven and on earth did not look like the king they thought was to show up. But his mind was set on things above. He wants us to do the same. Set our focus on how better to serve God, how better to love God, how better to know God. Yes, we we have projects in our church that require our service. How can we do this except that we have the wisdom of God? How do we show up and be present for the residents of the Methodist home except that we want to be in the presence of those wise sages and show that we really are in earnest seeking the wisdom of God? How do we show up for families of El Nido, the mothers and their children there, and even fathers, yes, except that we want the wisdom of God? It's not about praying that we win the lottery. Although every prayer I believe God hears, it's not about praying that you get that jackpot. It's not about praying even for some of the frivolous things that we like to pray for. It's certainly not about praying for the things that God looks for us to do for ourselves. But when we're sending up some timber, are we praying for healing? Then yes, you want the wisdom of God. If in your prayers you're asking God to be, uh, to be a blessing for your children, then we want the wisdom of God. If in your prayers you're asking for peace for God's world and all of creation, then yes, we want the wisdom of God. If we're praying and we're asking not for ourselves, but for the service we will render, yes, we're asking for justice throughout the world because we're seeking the wisdom of God. This prayer that's lifted up for us today helps us to see that it does not matter our lineage, where we've come from, our pedigree. None of that matters. What the prayer, I believe, and the writers want us to see today, at least from our experience for this election, is to see that if our prayers are genuine, and we sincerely want to be in service to our God, then yes, God will grant you not only the humble prayers for service, but maybe some of what you want. But let us not go to God with a litany of things that we want, and we're not ready to do the service God wants from us. Be prayerful what you ask for there's nothing else you remember this day the theme and the point of it all is be prayerful what you ask for again solomon situated in all of these dynamics that from a family systems perspective would leave all of our minds boggled because it reads better than a good soap opera. The integrity of his heart, because God visited him in a dream, shares with us where God would hope we might be when we beseech the Lord for our own wills to be aligned with the will of God. Be prayerful what you ask for.